Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, the podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Today's episode, I'm bringing on a longtime friend, someone I've tried to get on the podcast for over a year. I wanted to bring her on last summer, uh, but she had a lot of things going on and it just never worked out. But yes, uh, today it's my longtime friend, Pastor Lauren Haywood Bruno. Uh, Pastor Lauren is in Pennsylvania. I knew her during my time out there um, serving at a church in Philadelphia, as well as my time at the seminary. And I'm super excited to bring her on because she's really, really smart. Um, And we're talking just about the Bible and scripture in general. And I knew that this is the topic I wanted Lauren to speak about because she has such uh, an articulate, interesting way of, of speaking about the importance of the scriptures. So we had a great conversation. It was a ton of fun. I'm so glad that I get to share this with you now. As always, friends, thanks for listening to the podcast and for sharing it, um, passing it around. Especially, I hope that this is these podcasts are helpful during these summer months when you might not be able to get to church on a Sunday morning. I hope that this can be a way for you to still feel connected um, and, and enlivened in your faith. But now I'll turn it over to this conversation between Pastor Lauren haywood Bruce and myself about the Bible. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Together for Good podcast. Thanks for listening in. I have on the line today a guest that I have been trying to get on this show for a year and a half, it seems. It's just been forever, and she kept giving me the runaround. It is my dear friend, Lauren Haywood. She is the pastor at St. John Lutheran Church in Ri- St. John Lutheran Church in Ridge Valley in Sellersville. Did I get that right, Lauren? That is correct. So, so are you in Ridge Valley or are you in Sellersville? Like you can't claim both, can you? We can because Ridge Valley is actually this ancient little village uh, that is the intersection of two roads up maybe 30 minutes north of Philadelphia. Okay. And it's it's called Ridge Valley because it's at the bottom of a big ridge over which you can see miles and miles and miles around. So people used to travel on the ridge, but there was this little village down in the valley planted in the 1600s with a church where UCC and Lutheran members founded together and built a building together. Which is the current building that you're in? Is it a 1600s era building? It's not. We are in a late 1800s era building because uh, like many twin churches in Pennsylvania, we, our congregation split when they had the financial ability to do so in the 1800s. Oh, fascinating. That's Mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. I mean, and for a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, they're out here. Most of them are out here in Denver, Colorado or thereabouts. And so we're not used to things being old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, you know, I think Denver is only not much more than 100 years old or so. Oh, someone's going to correct me on that and let me know. 150 maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so all this like, yeah, ancient churches uh, from the 1600s in Ridge Valley and, and Sellersville. Well, so and going back to that real quick. Sellersville is like the mailing address because there's no Ridge Valley mailing address. Okay, I kind of right because Ridge Valley, you'll pass through it and you'll miss it. Okay, (laughs) it's just that corner between these two roads merging. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So it's it's kind of like a rural-ish setting. Would you say that? Yeah, it's it's a fun mixture of rural and suburban, where we still have farms and farming families in the community, um, but we also have many people working for major employers and even down in the city. Um, in the area so we have a fun mixture and a a bit of the both best of both worlds where we 
have a lot of preserved open space and farms and sheep and cows and horses, but we also are within easy driving distance of the city and all that that has to offer. Yes, and what a city it is. Uh, Philadelphia has my heart. I always love Philadelphia. I know you do too. Oh, yeah. Um, And that's so that's how coming around for our listeners, Lauren and I met. Lauren was a student at the Lutheran Seminary in Philadelphia while I was serving there as director of admissions. And then Lauren's first call was in the city of Philadelphia um, and her congregation, her first congregation that she served at was not far from the congregation I ended up serving at. So we had text study together every week along with two other uh, faithful pastors in the Philadelphia Northeast or Northwest Northeast West what was it called yeah that's right you were Northeast I was Northwest everyone was kind of all over the place Um, and that was really good and and this is why I wanted to bring Lauren on Lauren is um, one of the smartest people I know (laughs) and (laughs) you are so good at explaining the scriptures. I know you have a love for the scriptures. And and, I mean, just to kind of start off with that, part of this I know for you kind of stems from your love of languages because you were, were you a Latin major in undergrad? I was a classical languages major, which meant that I could specialize in either Greek or Latin. And while I took Latin, I was a Greek specialty major. You were a Greek specialty. Okay. Mm -hmm. And for the people who don't realize it, the Bible was originally written, or at least the New Testament was originally written in Greek and the Old Testament originally in Hebrew. And so studying those ancient languages can be a really unique way of looking at the scriptures um lauren do you still sit down with your greek new testament and just geek out on all this stuff or has that kind of waned i'm not gonna lie right before we started this i was looking up a word in my greek new testament sitting next to me (laughs) of course you were you do not disappoint lord um that is amazing so Tell us, um, no, I just would love to hear a little bit more, though, just to hear you talk about your love of the scriptures, because I've, I've heard you kind of wax poetic on this before. Um, I'm remembering back to when you were a student at the seminary, and you you were in that, like, extra credit fry biblical lecture thing. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about that, but you, you were always going above and beyond when it came to <laughs> Bible study in general. At least that's been my perception. Yeah, I... I have a deep love for the scriptures. Part of that does come from being able to read them in Greek uh, and dig into that language and what are we really saying and the nuances of each word. Um, But at the end of the day, the core of my love for scripture is in the stories that the Bible is a collection, not of the stories of perfect people, Mm. but of imperfect people trying to live with God and what that looks like for their lives and how they mess up and how they also get it right. Um, So I love that the characters we meet in the Bible are just as strange and broken as the people we meet in real life. Yeah. Um, And that our stories can start to intertwine with the stories of scripture. They're not out of reach for us. Ooh, I really like how you said that there. Yeah, and because I think that's sometimes individuals' reactions to the Bible is, mm-hmm. well, what in the world, this, you know, thousand-year-old, thousands-of-year-old um, document, collection of documents, like, well, how could that possibly be applicable to what's going on today? Uh, what, what, what do you say when you hear individuals kind of lobbying that complaint about using the scriptures in our life well, in 2022? Yeah. 
I think that's a problem with how we've talked about the Bible for so many generations that we've revered it to a point of making the language unreachable, um, using words and language that really doesn't make sense um, in our daily life so that even the stories we're telling, you have to kind of dig through them to understand them because either we're using King James English mm. or we're we're using words or descriptors that we would never use in everyday life. And then we're shocked when kids or even adults have no connection to these stories. Um, the New Testament was written in something called Koine Greek. And that means common Greek. So where Plato and Socrates, all of those kinds of things, the philosophers were writing in this high, high mm. Greek that's complicated and hard to understand. Koine Greek was like slang. Interesting. It was written in simple, you know, like third grade reading level kind of thing, uh, where you could pick up a storybook and read it cover to cover in an hour. That's the kind of Greek we're talking about. Um, and so sometimes it's helpful for me to say, all right, put the book down. These are stories you know. Tell the story like mm. you're telling it to somebody who's never heard it before. You don't need to use the exact words tell it so that it, it feels like you're there. Yeah. And, and as we know, I mean, more than likely, a lot of these scripture stories were originally passed down through oral tradition yes. and, and not written down and, and codified until generations later, um, which for me, I think is really, there's something really sacred about that, about just kind of understanding and picturing these little communities gathered around the campfire and grandpa stands up to share the story of our people, um, which is, you know, now, now we have a chapter and verse related to it. But originally it was like, no, this is, these are the important stories of our family of how God guided our ancestors through Egypt to the promised land, whatever the case may be. Um, and we continue to share that because this is part of still part of who we are. You know, this yeah. story is a part of who we are. So, I mean, obviously that's, that's part of where I go as a pastor of like trying to help people connect in such a way with the scriptures to, to understand as like, th these are our family stories. Uh, I'm wondering if you have your own like unique approach or, or way that you would describe it. How, how do you professionally engage the scriptures in your congregation there in Ridge Valley in Sellersville? <laughs> well, you know, one of the ways that we've been doing this um, is we we have a Bible study like most churches and we I was asking around trying to figure out what they were interested in and one of my members said well nobody has ever dared to take on Revelation and it oh. is one of those books that's one of the weirder books um, and my deep belief is you probably need Bible study for the books that are hard not the ones you get like the story mm. of the Good Samaritan, we get that, right? We can benefit from a Bible study on it, but we can probably all tell that story. Um, but the story of Revelation gets a little closer to philosophy than to uh, the story of the Good Samaritan. And uh -huh. so we have to dig a little bit and put ourselves in the shoes of an ancient audience. And so that takes on culture and history and remembering other stories in the scriptures. So my goal in Bible study is usually let's take a text and let's let it talk to other stories we know well. So, okay, I don't understand what's happening in this story. It sounds like God is saying that everyone is going to hell. Everyone is damned unless you are a perfect person. 
and we'll say, well, what did Jesus have to say about that? What did Jesus mm-hmm. say to the perfect people? Where did he find those people? Well, not very many places. And we do know that when a woman was caught in adultery, there was a crowd gathered around ready to stone her. And Jesus said, okay, great. Let whoever has no sin in them throw the first stone. And Mm. pretty soon there's a little shuffling away, right? Nobody's there. Crickets, crickets. Um, There's a lesson there for us. Jesus didn't have a lot of use for some pious perfection. I think Jesus was calling us to change. So that calls us to look at Revelation in a new light. Maybe this is a call for Uh repentance, not a condemnation to hell. Oh, fascinating. And I love um, that is such a great example of what I'm guessing you learned in that seminary that we both know and love um, <laughs> in Philadelphia. Right. This whole idea of, of using scripture to interpret scripture. Yeah. And right. And that's such a fascinating concept um, because it is right. Like the, the, our Bibles are a collection of 66 different books. It's, it's a library. And so how can we use these stories? Because some of them were written at different times in different places with different intents. Mm-hmm. How can you use, yeah, the story of old scripture to interpret something else within it? Um, what I mean, say more about that as well. Do you have any other thoughts about or, or other ways to explain this to our listeners, this, this hermeneutical device that you just kind of walked us through of scripture interpreting scripture? Why, why can we do that? Why do we do that? Absolutely. Well, if you think about the audiences originally taking on these texts, they weren't living in a vacuum. They weren't receiving any one text all by itself. And likely there were more texts, more stories being passed around than even what we have. Mm. So we're, we're trying to sit ourselves into a context in which we no longer live and allow it to speak to our present context. We're not trying to live in the past. We're trying to learn from it. Um, And so as we do that, I like for people, sometimes I'll use the phrase, you know, read scripture through the lens of Jesus. Keep pinging back to what do you know about Jesus? Jesus is our physical, in the flesh, presence of God in the world. And so Mm -hmm. one of the easiest ways to see what does it look like to live a life that God wants me to live Um, And so I do keep asking, let's go back to that. What do you think? Does that make sense? Pay attention when it doesn't make sense. And we do this with our confirmands too, asking those questions. Let's take on a hard story and then ask, okay, this is weird. Okay, great. Pay attention to that. Don't skip over that weird feeling. Maybe that's a call for you to look back at other things you know about God and Jesus and ask how you can reinterpret what you're reading. Yeah, that's, I really like that. I mean, that's a lot of what I use in my own sermon preparation as well, is, sure. is when there's something within a text that I'm like, oh, that's that's awkward, or, you know, that's different, or I really wish Jesus didn't say it that way. Yes. Those are usually the parts that I sit with to, to think about more deeply, to study more deeply, to say, like, okay, but so then what is it? Why, why is my... So spirit catching on this little detail you know what what's deeper within there and I, I think it's a wise you know just with all of our life when something really catches your attention or, or ticks you off like mm-hmm. oftentimes there's a lot of wisdom into why you have that reaction to it and I think it's the same with the studying of scripture too yeah are, does that make you feel really awkward um does that make you feel really convicted 
okay like what's behind that don't don't just brush it off and ignore it go go deeper see what else is in there so um tell me though like in all of this way that you're talking about in scripture too uh a lot of people really try and hammer home the point like that the the scriptures are god inspired these are the words that god handed down this is the word of god right that's what we say in worship after we finish reading the scripture text the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. So how how do you see that fitting in with kind of what you're describing here too? I, I love, you know, all the background you're giving us, but I'm sure for some of our listeners, they might be worried or just thinking like, wait, like I thought this was the word of God. Why are we saying that some stuff was left out and some stuff was kept in? I, I'm just wondering your reaction to those types of comments. Yeah, um, I think of it like this. Um, there have been people in my life who have, I believe, been gifts from God for me. So I had this amazing mentor when I was in college, and his name was Benny. And Benny was Pentecostal. He would sit on the green, the like quad in the college center, and he would pray for people as they walked by. And one day I just sat down next to him, and we started talking. And he was this jolly, incredible man. He encouraged me in my call in a time when a lot of folks were not encouraging me. And, um, and he was just an incredible presence. I felt God work through him and speak through him. And there were moments when I could see the presence of the Holy Spirit in him. But Benny was still a human being, like you were Mm -hmm. me. And Mm -hmm. Benny didn't not every single word Benny said was perfect. Um, I think about this with scripture, not, not because I'm willing to throw out half of scripture, but because there are broken human beings involved in the stories in scripture, in the writing of scripture, in the compilation. And mm-hmm. so it's not that I think that can keep God from speaking, but I think it's something we want to be conscious of while we're reading. Um, to, to remember that just because let's pick an example, Abraham is in the Bible and he is the head, he's one of the patriarchs, right? The fathers of the faith, um, doesn't mean that he didn't sin and mess up. Mm. You don't really want to tell somebody to be just like Abraham, Abraham doubts God. He laughs at God. He sleeps with someone who's not his wife. He does all of it, right? These aren't great things. Um, And yet he also holds this incredible faith, steps out in that faith into an unknown future following God, um, and will take hold of this promise that God gives him. It's just more complicated than every single word is, or every single action is, is God ordained. When God starts working with human beings, things get messy. And Mm -hmm. scripture is no, no, um, no different from all of that. Um, The other thing you have to remember. Yeah, yeah, keep going. Is scripture is translated. Correct. Which involves a whole different mess of problems. <laughs> There's no such thing as a one-to-one translation. Uh, you can't uh, take a word in 
ancient Hebrew and find the exact equivalent in modern English. That doesn't work. So translators are making decisions for you when they read these ancient texts and try to put them into your language. And so the other thing that you're fighting with are the biases and assumptions of your translator. Mm. And that's, I mean, tell us a little bit more just because I know you have that, that, that skill. I mean, when you are translating and looking at the ancient Greek, it can really change the way we understand it, depending on the words you pick, correct? Absolutely. So I like to say translation is an art and not a science. Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Translation is sitting down with watercolors and trying to paint a picture in front of you. Um, So you're not, your picture might be a different interpretation of the scenery in front of you. You might put the different thing at the forefront or in the middle of your frame. You're taking a a small piece of what that big picture could be of a landscape in front of you, right? Um, So if I'm translating a sentence in ancient Greek, there aren't the same types of tenses in your verbs, your Mm -hmm. nouns, more complications in Greek. Um, And a lot of this is because we see as language evolves over centuries, it gets simpler, not more complicated. Um, so old English is a little more complicated than modern English. Yeah. Um, ancient Greek is more complicated than modern Greek. Um, and so some words, we are going to have six different options for what they mean, and they won't be six synonyms. They might mm. even have complete opposites inside that. And so you're trying to figure out from context what the author was trying to say. And uh, yet, this is this is part of what I love about studying the scriptures too, though. Yeah. Is that, um, and, and again, and I'm guessing like another way to experience this, sometimes I read a passage of scripture and because of what's going on in my life, it, it has this particular um, it, it, meaning to me. But then when I read it years later in a different you know, context in my life, I see those words and that message completely differently. And this is even, you know, I have no Greek language skills. Um, I don't even get into a lot of that biblical interpretation. I shouldn't say that. Like, I still do a little bit of it as best I can. Um, But yeah, like, that's just such a great example. But that's also, there's something about it. This is too where I, I, and I'm, I'm more of a mystic at heart, I think, as well that the scriptures still feel alive to me, you know, and that, that, that the Holy spirit is still kind of working through these words. Yeah. However, they got to us as imperfect as that process was, yeah. there's still something really holy and sacred going on here. And when I read this and when I, in particular, when I read these words in community with others, yeah. then it just kind of like, um, you know, it bubbles up and the fireworks go off. There's so much more going on. Um, do, do you find that too, like, especially in your own leadership, et cetera? I know you really love leading Bible study, reading in community. Tell us a little bit about that. I absolutely agree with you that it's, it's one of the beautiful things. You are reading scripture together with, yes, all of those translators and scholars who have worked on these texts, the people who preserved these manuscripts throughout history, copied them down again and again and again. And you're reading them together with your wider community. So whether it's your pastor interpreting that on Sunday morning, 
or it's your Bible study group or youth group coming together to read together, different people will have different questions about the text. They'll have different experiences with what's going on in the story. And they're going to help you to see it from a different light. Mm. So I've heard it described. I don't know who said this. I hope I'm not stealing it from someone. Um, But I've heard it described as looking at the exact same object from a hundred different angles. Um, That if I'm standing at six o'clock and you're standing at 12 o'clock and we're looking at the center, we're going to see something different Mm -hmm. um, from one another. And so we need to read that story together because I need to hear what you see in that and you need to hear what I see in that. Absolutely. And that's what it's what's so beautiful about it as well, of that. This is these ancient stories that we call the word of God. And, you know, and so it has this like real elevated status to it. But the whole point is for us to read it together and, and to hear together about our experience with it, our connection with it, the ways that, you know, God is talking to us through these words and to learn from one another. So it has a community forming piece to it built in yeah. on top of this whole sacred aspect to it as well. Um, yeah, it's just, it's really cool. I love leading Bible study personally for all of those reasons. Um, because what you're talking about too, like, and it also has this incredible intellectual side, you know, it's not asking us to turn our brains off and to just accept what's there without being critical of it. But no, like our intellect, our brains are a gift from God too, that we get to bring into the discussion. We get to read the scholars and the ancient language interpretations and have all of that be a part of the conversation that the scripture creates in our community. I mean, it's just, it's super cool, right? Like you love it, don't you? It's just, I do. (laughs) Yeah. And it, it, I, I often hear somebody say, Oh, you know, this is a stupid question, or I don't know that I should ask this question. Questions are the lifeblood of that Mm. Bible study process. Asking that hard question that you don't have the answer to often that's what scripture is trying to get us to do. That's what Jesus was trying to get people around him to do. Uh, is to ask those hard questions. It's not that you're going to walk away from Bible study with, oh, well, now I absolutely decidedly know exactly what was going on in this story. You'll probably walk away with more questions than that. And I think of that as wrestling with the text in the same way that Jacob wrestled with God. It's a chance for us to get to know ourselves better, to get to know our community better, and to get to know God better. Perfect. Oh, that's so awesome. Lauren, I knew you wouldn't disappoint. You're the best. I'm sad it took a year and a half. We're going to have to have you on again, but this was so excellent. I would love that. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and intelligence with us. Um, Prayers for you and the people of St. John Lutheran Church in Ridge Valley in Sellersville. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Keep up the great work over there. Thanks for taking the time. And you, dear listener, thank you uh, for listening in. I hope you learned something new about the Bible. As always, stay in peace.